0: We're going to turn to Matthew chapter 7 tonight and then we're going to turn to 2 Samuel. I often say no longer is John 3.16 the most recognized scripture in the Word of God. Barna survey group I believe says there's two that are now the most quoted and probably both the most misunderstood scriptures in all the Word of God. It's no longer... The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And it's no longer for God so loved the world that he gave. Today, it is my God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And the one we're about to read, which is what? Judge not, lest thou be judged. Most quoted scriptures, and no doubt in my mind, the most misunderstood and misquoted, maybe ever this morning or this evening i want to take a look maybe from a different angle than you've ever heard maybe i don't know but matthew chapter 7 beginning in verse 1 says judge not that you be not judged for with what judgment you judge you shall be judged and with the measure you meet it shall be measured to you again And why behold you the mote or the speck that is in your brother's eye, but you consider not the beam that is in your own eye? Or how will you say to your brother, let me pull the mote out of your eye and behold the beam that is in your own eye, you hypocrite. First, cast out the beam out of your own eye and then you shall see clearly to cast the mote out of your brother's eye. Give not that which is holy to the dogs, neither cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample it under their feet, and turn again and rend you. So let me ask you just a question to ponder. Have you really been told not to judge anything? No. Let's look at 2 Samuel chapter 12. 2 Samuel chapter 12. Let's set the scene a little bit. What has happened? 2 Samuel chapter 12, we find Nathan the prophet coming to David the king. And the context of what he's speaking about is maybe a very familiar story. David, this king, this godly king, this man after God's own heart, the word says, has came to a place in his life that the word of God says that it was the time of year that the king should be in battle and David was at home. I won't take much time to tell you that you can get in a lot of trouble being in a place you shouldn't have been at a time you shouldn't have been there. Yeah. We might as well start with amen or O oh me. You can, get, you, can, you can get in a world of hurt just by being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Had David been where he was supposed to be, we would be talking about a very different situation tonight. But it says that David was at home in the time of year when the kings were in battle. And you know what happened, that, that David was looking out his window and he saw a young lady, a beautiful lady named Bathsheba, that she was bathing on the rooftop. I want to tell you, sometimes Bathsheba gets a bad rap, but David was the one in the place where he shouldn't have been, not her. She was doing something completely normal. And it says that the king sent for her. And you know that there was a that he committed adultery with her and during in the commission of adultery that she conceived. And after she conceived, David began to a plot to cover up his sin. How I many you know repentance is better than a cover up? Amen? Well, sometimes we, we don't want to we don't want to bear the consequences of exposure, but the consequences of cover up. There's a, there's a thousand politicians tonight over the years that could testify that the cover up's worse than the crime. So David calls Uriah in from the battle and he tries to trick him. He tries to put him in a situation where he's doing him a favor or, or showing him favor that go, go be with your wife. Uriah, Uriah didn't fall for it says, I, I'm not going to do it. When my, when my men are in battle, I'm not going to go be comforted in my own home by my own wife. I'm not, it's not going to happen. David was, was trying to set up a situation where they would believe that this baby, this child conceived was Uriah's and not his. And when it didn't work, David sent instruction to put Uriah into the heat of the battle. In a place where he knew that he would get killed. In a place where he knew it, it was, it was first-degree murder. He didn't, have to, he didn't have to kill him himself. He did it. He put him in a place he knew he was going to die. All to cover up what he had done. And now we find ourselves a time later with Nathan the prophet coming to speak to David. Let's look at it. Let's read. It says, And the Lord sent Nathan to David, and he came to him and said to him, There were two men in one city, one rich and the other poor. And the rich man had exceeding many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing save one little ewe lamb, which he had bought and nourished up, and it grew up together with him and with his children, and he did eat of his own meat and drink of his own cup and lay in his bosom and was with him as a daughter." And there came a traveler to the rich man, and he spared to take of his own flock and of his own herd to dress for the wayfaring man that was come to him. But he took of the poor man's lamb and dressed it or prepared it for a man that was come to him. What's just happened? The rich man had a lot of sheep. The poor man had one. He has a visitor he doesn't take out of his abundance he takes out of the other man's lack <laughs> verse 5 said and David's anger was greatly kindled against this man and he said to Nathan as the Lord lives the man that has done this thing shall surely die now I told you I, I, I'm, I have a big imagination always have and you know, when I read I tend to put myself there and I can just see this conversation going on and I I can see maybe David seated and and as he begins to as he begins to hear the story as he, as as Nathan begins to relate the message I maybe, maybe he's scooting closer to the edge of his seat as he begins to comprehend and take in what's going on and I can see him red-faced with anger and maybe he stands to his feet and says He's got to die. Can you see it? And he shall restore the lamb fourfold because he has done this thing and because he had no pity. And Nathan said to David, man, think about it. Nathan said to David, you're the man. It's you, big boy. <laughs> you understand, David's still the king. David, in fact, could have put Nathan out. David, I suppose, he could have had him killed. He was the king. No, well, we won't talk about the possible consequences because that's not what happened. And Nathan said to David, you are the man, thus says the Lord God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel and I delivered you out of the hand of Saul and I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your bosom and I gave you the house of Israel and Judah and if it had been too little I would have moreover given you such and such things. Wherefore you have despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight and you have killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword and have taken his wife to be your wife. And have slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon. Now therefore the sword. Now listen. Something begins to happen. You need to take note. Something begins to happen. He says. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from your house. Because you have despised me. And I have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. And thus says the Lord. Behold. I will raise up evil against you out of your own house. And I will take your wives before your eyes, and I will give them to your neighbor, and he shall lie with your wives in the sight of this son. For that you did it secretly, but I will do this thing before all of Israel and before the son. And David said to Nathan, I've sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, now listen, wow, the Lord has put away your sin and you shall not die. However, because by this deed you have given a great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child that also is born to you shall surely die. And Nathan departed the house. I want to talk to you just a few minutes, preach to you just a minute, teach for you just a moment, maybe on the subject of truth and consequence. Truth and consequence. See, we live in an age today where people don't think they should be held accountable for much of anything. We live in a time today when if you can find a way to not get caught, that men and women on earth can pretty much justify any situation they want to come up with. David, in this situation, I, I have to believe if it was in 2020 when the, the, we would be tempted, the, 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 the way society is laying out today, that he would be tempted to say, what? I didn't kill Uriah. I wasn't at the battle. What, are you kidding me? He's a soldier. What do you expect? He could Come on. Whether it's true or not, we justify everything. We're in a time where I I love the life of David and I love to point to him and I love the the grace that God showed him and I love that he still calls him a man after God's own heart. I love that he established that the throne of David has been established forever. I love that Jesus is called the son of David. I love that. It's all true. I love that when I read in Matthew chapter 1 and it begins to talk about that so-and-so beget so-and-so. Then it says that Jesse begat David the king. I love that. Say why? Because then it says again, and David the king beget Solomon of Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah. Say, so why do you love that? I think I mentioned it before, but I, I was reading that one day. It's not too often you get in any, any of the lineages when you have read so-and-so beget, so-and-so beget, so-and-so beget, so-and-so, that you get much out of that. It's important. But one day I was reading that at home, and, and I said, it said, and Jesse beget David the king. So, okay, I know which David we're talking about, right? Then it turns around and said, but David the king beget Solomon. I thought... Do you ever read things, and when you're reading, you think, Why, Lord? You just told me which David, right? But now you're telling me again which David. I love when I ask that question. How many of you know sometimes you ask the Lord a question, he'll answer you real quick. Sometimes you have to dig it out, and sometimes he just answers you. That morning, I'll never forget it. He said, Because David was the king before he failed, David was the king after he failed he didn't lose anointing he didn't lose position but let me tell you too often the church world stops at that that he didn't lose anointing that he didn't lose position that's all true but it cost him greatly judge not lest thou be judged for with the same measure that you judge is going to be measured back to you how many of you now know that the word of God is consistent How many of you know that that God has never changed and will never change? That he's always been the same and his word is consistent throughout. When I read this passage, I was struck by something I've never seen. As far as I know, I've never heard it preached. I've got a pretty good memory. But I noticed something that David, when Nathan began to tell him what was going on with this man, that David rises up in his seat And he says, this man has got to die, and he's got to repay fourfold, fourfold. He took one lamb, he's got to give four lambs. How many of you know that was the king's judgment? Are you with me? That was the king's judgment. He's got to die. But before he dies, he's got to restore four times. And for some reason, I, as I read, I was reminded that we better be careful what we pronounce. Especially when we're in failure and we know we were in failure. Does anybody here believe David didn't know he was in failure? And that God mercifully sent a prophet. Mercifully. Mercifully. So what are you talking about? Why are you talking about Matthew chapter 7? And why are you tying it to 2 Samuel chapter 12? Because David says he's going to die and he's got to restore fourfold. Nathan says, You're the man. David said, Oh, I've sinned. Immediately, he goes to repent. Immediately, he acknowledges who he is, what he's done. Immediately, he did, he, he's, he's been exposed. Now, I believe, Nathan being a type of the Holy Spirit here, he's come, he's been convicted, he's been exposed. It's true, and David knows it's true. Nathan said, the Lord has put away your sin." That right there, alone. If God never done another thing for David, if God never does another thing for me, that when David was guilty, when, Ga- when Ash charged, when he deserved to die, that the prophet said, the Lord has put away your sin. And you're not going to die. Mercy and grace. You've just seen, hey, this is Old Covenant. This is Old Testament. When people think God was a different God, he was not a different God. Mercy, David, your sin has been put away from you. David, you're not going to die. But in David's pronunciation of what should happen to this man that he had no idea when he, when he stood to judge that he was judging himself. He's going to have to die and he has to restore sevenfold or fourfold. When Nathan stood up, said, you're the man. God has put away your sin. You're not going to die. He said, but the child will. Your household will rebel against you. I will give your wives to other men and put it in public view. And what you did secretly is going to happen to you openly. Did you notice it? That when Nathan began to reveal, God's going to show you mercy and he's going to give you grace. But the same way you judged before you knew it was you has now came upon you. He said, you're going to have to restore fourfold. The prophet says, it's going to be a fourfold judgment. What are you talking about? We live in this culture that thinks that the grace of God and that the mercy of God always wipes out all the consequences of what happens. We think because He's merciful and that He's he's full of grace, that we can live any way we want to without consequences. I am thankful that He's merciful. I am thankful that He's full of grace. But the word of God still says that God is not mocked. That whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. That's spiritual law. And for some reason, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've become in such a place that grace has become so cheap. And I hate to even say it that way. And it's been taught to be such an easy thing that we think the cause that that He died for us, that He paid the price for us, that He sent the Spirit of God for us, that that when there's something that happens in our life, that we can just go on like it didn't happen. Not so. I submit to you tonight that this is a perfect picture of what Matthew chapter 7 is actually saying. David was the guilty party. He was the one with the beam in his eye. He was the one that was, that was be, standing in a hypocritical position and dealing out judgment on what should happen to someone both in the here and now. They got to die. He was willing to kill a man and it was him. He was willing to, to make him restore four times and that's fine, but it was him. I suspect had David known and realized what, that Nathan knew what he knew that his judgment may have been very different. Church, I'm going to submit to you tonight Well, I'm thankful for the grace of God and the mercy of God And I'm thankful that there's a Psalm 51. <laughs> well, let's stop right there. I'll challenge you maybe to realize that the consequences of sin are great, the price of sin was high. See, people don't want to talk about sin anymore. We want to, we, do we even realize, we think about, I mean, think about what's going on today with what's going on in the world where you got same-sex marriage on this side and, you, and you've got wholesale slaughter of the unborn on this side and, and you've got rioting in the street and you've got lawlessness, the spirit of, literally the spirit of Antichrist. Taking hold before our eyes, and all of this came crashing down because of one bite. It doesn't sound so bad today, does it? It doesn't sound so bad that, that it it almost sounds extreme that God would that there would be a fall, that there would be a crash because of one act of disobedience. Say, it doesn't sound so bad. That's what happens as we start justifying our disobedience and our sin. And by the time we're done, it doesn't sound so bad. But how bad was it? I, I'll tell you how bad it was. I want you to realize how bad it was. The only measure that can truly be given to measure the, the, the seriousness of one act of disobedience is the price that it took to resolve it. Think about it. Now, we're Americans. We understand capitalism. We understand that we can have a lot of times what we want if we just got the money to pay the price. When it comes time to buy a new car, I may want a new BMW, but when I start weighing the price, Chevrolet looks pretty good. The price matters. Oh, it's just a bite. A bite that had a lamb prepared before the foundation of the world. A failure that drove the eternal word to take on the form of flesh and dwell among us and to walk and to show us the way and show us how to live but to go to a hill to be nailed to a cross and to die in my place. That's the price. Again, I'll tell you, God hasn't changed. The age that we live in hasn't changed who God is or what it takes to cover sin. And I'll submit to you tonight that, the, that, the, that who you are and, and sometimes matters. What do you mean by that? If there'd have been some unknown soldier... that had done exactly what David did and no doubt there has been scores of them through the years centuries and millennia but it didn't require Psalm 51 some of us think our failures and that our leaders failures that man we ought to just forgive them and move on and yes, I, oh, it's quiet. Dr. Jones is quiet. Martha, Sister Tennyson says people generally don't talk during surgery. I want you to notice yes, forgive and move on. God forgave. Immediately, the prophet said, The Lord's heard you, your sins have been removed. He's not gonna hold them against you and you're not going to die. But David lived the rest of his life with the consequences of what he done. Why? Largely because of who he was. There's something in here that gets buried often that I don't think we notice very often. Verse 14 says, however, because by this deed you have given great occasion for the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, or to, that word there means to show utter contempt. Listen to it again. Because you've given the enemy great occasion to show contempt. Contempt. I'm trying to bring you to a place where you realize that the price is high. It's true that there's forgiveness and mercy and grace for everyone. That's truth. And God did show mercy and grace on the, on the worst of the consequences, he, he, he could have just wiped him out. Do you realize that it was grace and mercy that Nathan even walked in the room? It was mercy and it was grace that the Lord even thought enough about David to send someone by to say, you're the man. It's mercy and it's grace that this comforter that has come, that this, that this teacher, that, this, that the spirit of truth that has been given freely to the church today would show up in a service and would say to you that you're the man. I'm thankful that my sins are blotted out. I'm thankful that the times of refreshing can come. But I have to realize that, I, that it's not an easy thing, that it's, not, that it's not a casual thing ever before God that when we fail. I believe if we keep these things in mind when we read Matthew chapter 7, before we're overly hard on a brother that failed, that we would remember that I'm actually held accountable. For how I judge someone else. I've noticed it. I I hardly go a week without saying I've been in church all my life. I I was born in the fires of Pentecost. I don't remember anything different. It's, It's all I know. And all of my life, I have observed some things that people, when life is going well for them and there's been no public failure, I didn't say they hadn't sinned, I said there hadn't been any public failure, that they're pretty hard on other folks. I can't help but notice that they're willing to deal out the sentence when it's not themselves, other children, or their mama. Uh, y'all missed it. We find all kind. Hey, I know people that if one of their kids... I'm trying to be careful. Well, I, I've just known people, I don't guess it would have mattered what their children done. But that was okay, because they're just misunderstood. and that they're trying, and that you under you ought to understand. But if you done half of what just happened, they don't want you in the jail, they want you under the jail. They want, they, they want the death penalty to, to be administered as quickly as humanly possible. I believe what I've tried to tie together tonight should be should, should speak clearly to us that the consequences of sin are great that the more eyes that are on you the stronger the repentance has to be now you can correct me if I'm wrong but I, I believe there's a Psalm 51 because there was a David uh oh I don't think you're understanding what I'm saying there. So if it had been the foot soldier, we would know nothing about it today. If it, if it had been just a just a pawn of the court, it would have never been recorded, because it was the greatest leader in all of of all of Israel's history, even to this day. That we're still talking about his failure and his repentance and the consequences of the two. See, it, it, it didn't just go away. And when I read Psalm 51, I read the great cry of his heart. Sure. But it's also the great public confession of his failure that's recorded for all of eternity. Have mercy on me. Oh God, according to your loving kindness. According to the multitude of your mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from iniquity and cleanse me from sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. I could go on. Yes. The good part. Yes. David was a man after God's own heart. Yes. God Has put him in the place of highest esteem. Where he's established his throne forever. Yes. When Jesus sets his feet again on terra firma. He's going to sit on the throne of David. Yes. Yes. But it was because of his humility. And his confession. And his repentance. And. His heart. But everybody forgets the baby died. That one son raped a daughter, so another son killed the son. Then the same son of Absalom rose up against David and tried to steal his throne and tried tried, tried to run a coup against his own father. And that same son took his father's wives and concubines and had affairs with them before all of Israel, the whole country knew. All the days of David's life here on earth was a constant reminder I want to say it a different way God forgave him immediately but his kingdom his subjects his people were reminded of it all the days of his life it didn't just go away We have to be careful. Part of the the pronouncement was because you've brought reproach. Let's say it how it is. Because you've brought reproach on on God. Because you gave great occasion for the enemies. Listen, I've, I've seen historic failures in the pulpit. Men I love. Men of renown. Men that are still generals today. But the world's never got over it. Brandon, if you'll make your way back. Church, I am so thankful. So what are, what are we, what's the end of this tonight? What are we talking about? First of all, I understand, I want you to see clearly that sin's not casual. I want you to see clearly what the Word of God talks about when to judge not less to be judged and talks about the the same measure you you deal out you're going to receive hey that'll cause you Jesus said it this way listen to me blessed are the merciful blessed are the merciful why for they shall obtain mercy reaping and sowing works in every direction that you can think of you sow mercy you're going to reap mercy. Amen? But the price was too high. Eternity's too long. The old timers used to say it this way. This is a perfect example. David's one time he was in the wrong place at the wrong, at the wrong place at the wrong time that cost him the rest of his life should remind us that sin will cost you more than you wanted to pay, keep you longer than you wanted to stay take you further than you wanted to go, cost you more than you wanted to pay, and keep you longer than you wanted to stay. Tonight, my prayer is, Lord, keep me near the cross. Stand with me across this place. Lord, remind me. Lord, I'm thankful for your loving mercies. Lord, I'm thankful for your kindness. Lord, I'm thankful that your mercy endures forever. And Lord, I'm thankful for the grace of God. But Lord... Let that power of grace be that keeps me near the cross. Lord, keep me near the cross. Lord, tonight let me never, my prayer tonight is let me never bring reproach on the kingdom of God. Lord, my prayer tonight is let let me be a light Let me be a city that's set on a hill. Let me be a light that's on a candlestick. Let me point the way to Calvary. And let me never bring shame on the name of the the Lord. Lord, tonight, I thank you that that I didn't have to die, that you died for me. Lord, tonight, I'm thankful that, that that you've blotted out my sins. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, church, I'm thankful for the forgiving power of grace, but I'm thankful much more for the power of grace that keeps me out of a place that I need it. That the power of grace is, is power to live above sin and from sin. That grace is not about permission, that grace is not, that grace and mercy is not about how far can I go and still make heaven. That the power of grace is that I have the power of the Spirit in me that I can walk above it. Across this place tonight, if the prayer of your heart is, is Lord, hold me close, it's, it's Lord, wash me clean. If if the prayer of your heart tonight is, Lord, let me never be a reproach on the kingdom of God. Lord, let me be merciful so I can obtain mercy. If that's you tonight, would you just gather for just a few moments and spread out across this place and present yourself to a holy God. Lord, have mercy upon me, David said. Wash me, cleanse me, purge me. This world needs hope. This world needs grace. This world needs the church to stay pure and clean and to show mercy. But to preach the truth of the Word of God. The whole counsel of the Word of God. Begin to sing, Brandon. Thank you, Jesus. Just as I am without one plea, Hallelujah. But that, thy blood, it was blood. shared for me, and Thou didst speak Come oh. to the old oh. land of, oh. God, of oh. God, I come.